Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this one. Uh, there was a play-in there was a play-in game, uh, the final play-in game in the Eastern Conference today. Another blow blowout from the Eastern Conference, a, a sort of a pitiful performance from the Eastern Conference during this play-in extravaganza that that has been going on. The West held up their end of the bargain. Obviously, the Warriors and the Lakers game was was incredible. Uh, my thoughts are that on that one are basically, hey, both of those teams played really great. Their stars are really, really good. They may be the first and second best players in the NBA. Uh, Nikola Jokic is obviously up there, of course, so don't flame me for saying that. But uh, if you if you had to take two guys for the playoffs and and the two most popular players in the NBA today, it's definitely LeBron James and Stephen Curry. So nobody would argue if you said that LeBron James and Stephen Curry were the two best players. Like even Nuggets fans, I don't think would argue at this point. What they've done is incredible. That was an interesting game. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies San Antonio Spurs game it lived up to it as well. Memphis got out to a big lead and San Antonio came back, but Memphis moved on, which means that Memphis and Golden State will be playing on Friday night. That is the final game of the play-in tournament before the actual playoffs start. Saturday night, the Nuggets are going to face the Portland Trailblazers on Game One, eight thirty. It's a late night. I will be there in all likelihood. Um, a lot of people are going to be there, and I'm, exci- I'm excited to reconnect with some of my colleagues that I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, the playoffs are a great opportunity to do that, especially now that uh, the world seems to be coming back into a much better place. So glad to have that and glad to see that there are going to be 40% capacity in the building this time around. So it should be a great playoff environment. Nuggets fans, you got to get loud. The Nuggets are going to need a great home court advantage, especially early in this series, because the Blazers, they I think they have an, a drastic advantage at the beginning of this series as the Nuggets try to figure out their rotation. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of things. I asked on Twitter today and said, hey, I'm going to do a mailbag tonight. I kind of wanted to take it easy on the on the prep time. 
for for this podcast. I I think I've done several episodes now where had a lot of good conversation about this this series. And so I wanted to answer your questions and anything that you're trying to hear. And so that's what I did. I went on to Twitter, asked for some questions. That's what we're going to do today. It's going to go however short or however long it goes. I'm going to try to answer every single question that I received. So we're going to get into it. And I hope that I, I saw some of the questions and there, there are some good ones in here. So make sure to stay tuned. Uh, but for now, let's just get into the first ones and we'll start with Ryan Wilson. He asks, is Aaron Gordon guarding Dame or CJ a real possibility? And the answer is yes. He's probably not going to start on those guys. I think you're probably going to see Austin Rivers start on CJ McCollum and Faku Campazzo start on Damian Lillard. If the Nuggets have success that way, then that would really help. That would really, really help this series. Uh, Aaron Gordon, my guess is he would probably start on uh, Norman Powell, but it's also possible that Michael Porter starts on Norman Powell and then Aaron Gordon plays free safety at the beginning of this series. They will probably use Aaron Gordon in a variety of ways. He may guard Damian Lillard. He may guard CJ McCollum. He might even guard Yusuf Nurkic. And I think I have another question here that's about that. But the Nuggets are going to have to find a way to use Aaron Gordon's versatile skill set to the best of their ability. They aren't in the best situation from a personnel standpoint against this Blazers team. Given that they traded away Gary Harris and RJ Hampton, given that they don't have Jamal Murray, they probably won't have PJ Dozier for a little bit. Sounds like they're going to get Will Barton back, but how much is he going to help defensively against those guys? I'm not sure how much. The good thing about Will Barton is that he makes them work on the opposing end. And so CJ, CJ and Dame, they will have to guard him. And that's one of the things that I think the Nuggets need to take advantage of with that Blazers backcourt. They don't have a lot of guys that can do that, so getting back Will Barton to do that is a big deal. But for now, with Aaron Gordon, I think it's a real possibility that he spends significant time on Dame or CJ. But Denver's going to give Faku the first opportunity, I think, on Dame. They're probably going to give Austin Rivers the first opportunity on CJ. If those guys do a good job, then why break? Force the Blazers to make the first counter. Hopefully Denver can beat them in a straight up, uh, no adjustment scenario in a game one, game two. If Denver doesn't have to make major adjustments and still goes up 2-0, they're in a great spot. Austin Shields asks, how can the Nuggets make it a point to make sure that MPJ stays engaged and touching the ball throughout the whole game? We can't have him disappear in second halves of games. Malone needs to be able to stagger MPJ and Jokic. I agree. I definitely think that they're working on it. This is they've had several practices. They've had another practice. They're going to um, they're going to practice on Friday, and they're they're going to have plenty of time to prepare. Everybody knows that Michael Porter has to stay engaged and he has to be a big focal point. The question is how you do that. The question is where are the best spots on the floor for him to sort of take advantage of his size and his shooting ability? Because there's a lot of ways that Denver can try and do it. I don't think they're going to put him in straight up pick and roll, but they'll probably start by 
using him off screens, by having him back cut, by having him uh, run around to do some DHOs and things like that. But I do agree that when Jokic is off the floor, Porter's probably out there. He's probably leading that bench scoring unit. And if that's the case, then Denver has a good chance to be able to score when Jokic isn't out there. That was the big thing with Denver, uh, even last year, but, but mostly in the 2019 series, because they kept Murray and Jokic on the floor together. When Jokic would sit, Denver didn't have a great answer uh, on that bench unit. So having Porter to be able to do that, that would be a big deal. And they're going to stagger. I, I can almost certainly say that they will stagger. Excuse me. Rick B. asks, which Nuggets guard will end up playing the most minutes in this series? It's a great question. I put out the tweet a few days ago, more of a trivia than anything, asking Nuggets fans which guard had played the most against the Portland Trailblazers this year, and it was Austin Rivers. He played 70 minutes in four games, which means he averaged about 17 to 18 minutes a night. It's not great. Not a great sign. Murray had only played one game. He's definitely not here. Barton's going to be back late to this series. Dozier may not play at all. I think the answer is probably Monte Morris, but it might be Faka Campazzo, and it might be Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers at 6'4", 6'3", having the size and the versatility to be able to match up with any of Dame, CJ, or Norman Powell, while also being a scorer on the other end, think he's going to be out there a lot. Monte Morris, he's had a lot of time to get back and get ready and get healthy, so I expect him to play a lot as well. I'd actually be shocked if he didn't. Um, we'll see whether Will Barton comes back or not and, and how soon, because he's a guy that's going to have to play a lot too, and we'll see whether Faku can hold up against Dame, whether he can hold up on the offensive end. I think my money right now would be on Austin Rivers, just because I think he can play 30 minutes a night, no matter what. And they're going to need somebody with his aggressiveness to be willing to take those shots. And, and Austin Rivers is nothing if not willing to take those shots, take those looks. I hope that Nuggets fans can appreciate a guy like that, especially in a playoff series, that somebody who's unafraid, somebody who's willing to be the hero or the goat, I've gained a lot more respect for guys like that over the course of covering the league. Because there are times where you don't want to be the guy that's anywhere near that shot, that when the team is having a tough run, that you want to pass it to somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a, there's a place in the league for players like that but you also want the dogs. You also want the guys that are willing to shoot. I think that Austin Rivers is like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how much he plays, but I would wager that he plays the most. He might not. Like We'll see. Maybe it's Shaq Harrison. Maybe he's going to be out there a lot, but I doubt it. I think they need a shooter. And then Patrick Rasmussen, friend of the program, he asks, your thoughts on alternating Jokic and Gordon defensively on Nurkic? after offensive attempts by Denver if missed. Uh, so both are in the pick and roll with Faku. Alternate looks and scheme to Jokic playing up or down in the pick and roll. 
I think that's a great idea. And Denver, the last thing they need to do against Damon, Damian Lillard is to give him the same look every single time. People are going to think that, okay, Denver, if they take Jokic off of Nurkic, then that means that they are, uh, like, they're calling in defeat on being able to defend, to defend Lillard. And yeah, maybe that's the case. Maybe they can't defend Lillard with their two on ball scheme if he does a great job of rejecting screens, of just isolating. And then you put the main primary pick and roll guard on a pedestal defensively, whether it's Faku, Shaq Harrison, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers. If that's the case and that guy struggles, it's hard to say that it's Jokic, but Denver, if they have the ability to switch some of those lineups to maybe downsize a little bit, say, hey, look, we're going to put Aaron Gordon on Yusuf Nurkic, and when they run pick and roll, we're going to have Austin Rivers guarding Damian Lillard, and when they run a pick and roll, they're going to switch, and it's going to be Aaron Gordon at that point on Dame and Austin Rivers on Nurkic. I think you want to force Lillard to try to throw the ball into the post against Nurk. That would be a or that would be a great opportunity for Denver, I think, to try to disrupt what they normally do. Because if they can disrupt what they normally do, then that means that it takes them out of their their rhythm, their lineup, what they usually want. And that's what I would hope for if I were the Nuggets. I'd want to give them different looks. I'd want to make them think about it. Maybe it it buys a possession here or there. That could be the difference between winning and losing a game, especially with how good Denver's offense is, especially with Jokic and Porter. Denver's going to have opportunities to score, but they're going to need to find ways to limit Dame, to limit CJ, to limit Norm Powell. If they're switching, if they put Jokic on Covington, and then they just have like Denver running, uh, they have Portland running 1-4 pick and roll as opposed to 1-5 pick and roll. And they just try to put the ball into, like they then they run two on ball with uh, with Jokic and, and uh, let's say Austin Rivers at that point, guarding Dame. Say they run two on ball and then they have to throw the slip to Covington instead. Then if he picks and pops, then they'll have to rotate around the perimeter. But if he's trying to make a play, on the move in space, I actually trust Nurkic to do that more than I trust Covington. So Denver might be in a better position to do that. If that's what they decide to do, then it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the tactical adjustments from both of these coaches. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to finish off some more questions. But first, This podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game this week. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on that game. That's right, for every 1,500 players who bet the over on a select game in the over-under, that will drop by one point. So this is a great deal for getting everybody on board. You want as many people hammering the over as possible in this app, because if you can drop that thing 
all the way down to zero, which has happened before, this is absolutely free money. This is a great way to just make a quick buck. You absolutely know that you will get it. There is zero risk in this particular deal. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps lower that game's over-under, and the best part is as the lines lower, the odds remain at even money. You can double your money by just hammering the over. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. There is no question. This is a great deal. You want to get in on the action? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to hammer the over. That's right. This is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends, tell your family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code MHS for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends 5-23-21. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, back here, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're looking for a, an in-depth preview of this particular series, uh, Nuggets Blazers, make sure to check out the previous episode. I had Danny Morang of Blazers Edge, Blazers Outsiders, on to discuss this particular matchup. And there was a lot of great discussion. We went for over an hour, uh, touched on a lot of great storylines, uh, touched on some uh, Nuggets versus Blazers rivalry stuff and, and what we expect to see. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we both picked, actually, I won't say just in case, just in case you want to, to not have it spoiled. I will let you go and listen to that. So make sure to check it out and give Danny a follow. He's awesome. All right. Let's continue with these questions here. Derek Valdez asks, who wins the coaching battle and how does Malone Make sure the Nuggets do not start off the series slow. It's a good question. Uh, Terry Stotts has long been credited for being a good coach, but I think Michael Malone is significantly better. I think what he does on a consistent basis to put Nikola Jokic, to put Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray before that, to put these guys into a great position to succeed, him being able to lay the groundwork and giving this team an opportunity to prove themselves time in and time out, I think it definitely puts Malone into that edge. He's done a lot of great things, and Terry Stotts, I think there is a question as to whether if the Blazers fall apart in this series, if they do not win in the first round, Terry Stotts could be fired. It's very possible. Michael Malone, if Denver loses in this first round. Well, they had they didn't have Jamal Murray anyway. So, and they well, and it, even if it was like if they were fully healthy beyond Jamal Murray, then I'd have some questions, but they also have been missing Will Barton and PJ Dozier. So, this is a tough situation. 
Denver traded for Aaron Gordon so that they could match up with bigger teams, and they happened to draw the smallest team of, the, of them all with the Blazers. So, like they've got a six foot guard in Damian Lillard, a six one guard in CJ McCollum, and a six four guard in Norman Powell. That's a tough way to to match up. It reminds me a lot of the Utah Jazz series last year, where it wasn't necessarily Michael Malone's fault that they didn't have Gary Harris or Will Barton at the beginning of that series. So, Denver's going to have some questions, and that's okay. They're going to have to figure it out. I think that Malone will win the coaching battle. He doesn't have as many options, but I think he pushes those buttons better. And I think he's more creative than people give him credit for. How does Malone make sure the Nuggets do not start off the series slow? Uh, It's going to be tough. He's going to have to get Michael Porter ready. Because they are going to double Jokic. Sometimes they're going to single cover him, but I think most of the time they're going to double, try to get the ball out of his hands, and force other people to beat him. We're going to see if it works. We're going to see if the Nuggets let them double-team Jokic, because they might put him in different spots on the floor where it's impossible to double him without giving up an open shot. It's not going to be on Michael Malone if Denver opens up the paint and opens up the spacing and Jokic makes a great read, hits an open guy for a three, and then that guy miss. If if that guy misses, then it's it's hard for that to be on Michael Malone. Like let's say, let's say Faku Campazo goes one of seven from three, all of them wide open, good rhythm shots, or at least most of them, and the Nuggets lose by four because they they didn't make as many shots as the Blazers did. Are you going to blame Michael Malone for not making shots? No. It's going to be on the players, and they're going to have to figure that out. And by the way, it's not just Faku. Like, it could be Austin Rivers. It could be Aaron Gordon. It could be Michael Porter. Like, if Michael Porter goes one of nine, that's probably not something that Michael Malone was factoring for. So he's going to have to push the right buttons. But I think that the biggest question that I have in this series is that if Denver can't shoot, then what do they do? That's going to be a big question. And so actually that leads right into uh, to Jeff's question here. Jeff C5280 asks, what's the Nuggets' greatest weakness going into this series besides hurt players? That's the one. I think the hurt players, I think that that gives you a like there are definitely there's definitely a guard weakness because of the hurt players aspect of this. But the real question here is whether Denver can score, whether they can keep up with the Blazers. There's a big question because the Blazers have a great formula right now. I've gone through all the numbers. I've shared them on podcasts. I've shared them in articles. They have a really, really great formula, and it's worked. Will it continue to work? I don't know. But right now it is. So Denver's going to have to match strength with strength at that point. Can they shoot around Nikola and Michael Porter? Is it just enough that those guys hit six, seven threes between them? Maybe that's enough. Maybe that forces the Blazers out of their element. I don't know. But what I do know is that Denver's roster is untested at this point. Aaron Gordon's going need to shoot, need to shoot. Austin Rivers is going to need to shoot efficiently. 
Faku Composite is going to need to shoot efficiently. Those are the three starters around Porter and Jokic. And beyond those guys, it's got to be Monte Morris. It's got to be Jermichael Green, Paul Millsap. Uh, they may play Shaq Harrison. If, uh, yeah, they'd probably play Shaq Harrison. If Will Barton is back, it's got to be Will. They've got shooters. They've got guys that can shoot. The question is, is whether they'll make enough shots as a collective. That is my biggest fear. I hope that they can. It would be a big, big deal if they got out to a great shooting start. Like if they shot 45% from three, won the first game by 15. That would be a great way to start and kind of set the tone of the series that, look, you cannot double Nikola Jokic because other guys will kill you too. If Denver can establish that, if they can continue to empower their role players and not kind of marginalize those guys that if they have a bad shooting night, then they stop shooting, then Denver could be in a good spot. But right now, that would be my biggest question. Northwest Nuggets fan asks, do you think this roster is in better or worse shape for this matchup than the bubble Nuggets? MPJ and Jokic Ascension plus AG, but no Jamal or Gary. Only constant is Will being hurt. Uh, I think that this team is in a worse spot. However, they were start like think about who they were starting last year. They had at the beginning, they were starting Jamal Murray, Tory Craig, Michael Porter, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. They ultimately brought in Jeremy Grant. They brought in Monte Morris, but it was only until like it was only until late in that series where they got back Gary Harris. I think that Monte Morris is better suited now as a defender, as a as an overall player, than he was in the bubble. And I don't think that Tory Craig was that great of a defender. That's gonna be it's gonna be it's it's interesting to see. Like I'm actually not sure because there there are reasons to think that this team is better suited. Like MPJ being a different level of player, that's a big deal. Aaron Gordon, I think him being established as the starter, Denver being able to go to that Jokic, MPJ, Aaron Gordon trio, they started Jokic, MPJ, Millsap at the beginning of last year's playoffs and then transitioned to Jokic, Millsap, Grant. Denver was too big. They also didn't have Jermichael Green. So I think there there are a lot of reasons to think that this team is better off than they were last year. Because this team also did just add Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, Faku Kambazo. There's a lot of reasons to think that they're better off. But not having Jamal, like he was the guy that got them back over the top. Like that was a big, big deal. And not having that guy as a release valve for what Jokic is doing consistently. It's it's tough. So we're going to see. We're going to see. I think you could argue either way. Zamora King asks, what adjustments can MPJ make if the TB uh, Trailblazers start keying in on him throughout the series? If he doesn't find a way to score 25 plus consistently, this series is going to be hard to win. Yes, it will. A lot of this comes down to MPJ being the player that we think he can be. 
it wouldn't surprise me if early in this series he struggles to get it going. And people are like, oh man, the Nuggets, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really bad. But I remember back to the San Antonio Spurs series of 2019 and to the Portland Trailblazers series then after, thinking, okay, Jamal Murray, up and down. It's tough to get him going sometimes, but you could see the flashes, you could see the potential, and he still has those moments where he wins games for people. He won the game against the the Spurs in game two after being awful for three quarters. He was awful in game three, just really, really struggled. Then he started figuring some things out after that, had a great game four and a game five against the Blazers, um, had some other great moments as well, uh, but it was up and down. And the Nuggets, they were in a position where they needed him to be more consistent. I think that Porter at this point has shown a little bit more consistency than Murray at that point. So if that's the case, if they could get that consistent 20 plus on reasonably efficient shooting, they're going to be in a good spot. He is a a very unique player, uh, just from a, a off-ball standpoint, from the way that he gets his shots. My hope is that he doesn't get hurried up by the moment, because that's when he struggles. That's when he can't make any shots. But if he's a gamer, if he's a guy that can stand up to this pressure and come out and deliver in game one right away, that would go a long way in setting the tone. So, I think that some of the adjustments that he's going to have to make, he's going to have to find different ways that when teams are playing him high side, when they're trying to prevent him from getting to the three-point line, he's going to have to find ways to back cut, but also kind of set up some other moves. He's going to have to learn to snake around screens a little bit better, redirect plays, and, uh, and use his body to generate great shots while also taking the shots where they come. Like, it could be a bunch of 17-footers. It could be where they try to run him off the three-point line a lot, and they protect the rim. He might have to settle for some mid-range shots, and if he hits those shots at 50%, then the Nuggets will win. If he hits them at 40%, then they'll lose. It could be that simple. But he's going to have to find ways... He's going to have to find ways to deal with the physicality. Robert Covington's going to try to beat him up. Norman Powell's going to try to beat him up. Those guys are going to do what they can to stick with him. The thing is, though, I'm not sure who else can. Like, Gary Trent Jr. was a guy who gave him some troubles, despite being very short, because he was physical, he was in his grill, always trying to disrupt the jump shooter. Do they have a guy who can do that? on their team. And if the if that guy is outside of the Blazers' primary eight-man rotation, it's like Derek Jones Jr., Nasir Little, guys like that on their bench. If they have to break rotation, then that means that their bench offense will struggle, or suffer at least. That's a great thing for the Nuggets, that if he can get past those initial matchups, Porter, if he can get past those initial ones, if they need somebody else, that will help the rest of the series. Last one before we hit another break. 
Uh, Liz Bailey asks, the Nuggets won every game against the Blazers this year in which both teams tried, including a game where Zeke Naji played 24 minutes and the Nuggets had seven guys plus Hartenstein. Why should I expect the playoffs to be any different? Because, because Jamal Murray isn't there, frankly. And I know that they got away with one. Um, they got away with one in uh, that late period of time where Murray was out, Murray was injured, and they still had Monte Morris, Will Barton, uh, Faku Campazzo, guys like that. Like They still had those guys available. And Denver was able to win. But they also had P.J. Dozier. They also had matchups where they could deploy their guys strategically to try to affect the game. I think Austin Rivers and Shaq Harrison each played about 15 minutes off the bench in that case. That might not be the case this time around. Like, Denver is going to have to start Austin Rivers and play him a ton of minutes. If the Blazers take advantage of that, if they take advantage of Denver's lack of depth now in the backcourt, and they go up 2-0 in a series, then anything can happen at that point. Like, even if you get Will Barton back in Game 3, you still have to win four of the next five in order to win. I think that Nuggets fans are probably underrating the Blazers a little bit because of who they are and what they've changed themselves into. They have a really great offense. And if they make shots, if they make shots that they missed against Denver, open shots, ones that Denver doesn't want them to take, ones that the Blazers would gladly make and they still missed, if they make those, kind of like Utah did in the first round of the bubble playoffs, then Denver's going to be at a really big disadvantage, especially without Jamal Murray. Because Jamal was always the failsafe. He was always the guy that, even when things were going bad, he could keep pace. Jokic can keep pace too. But Murray was a guy who could run a traditional pick and roll, run some traditional DHO actions, and be a threat from behind the three-point line. How many guys does Denver have like that right now? And what happens if Porter can't do it? I think Nuggets fans need to go into this with an appropriate amount of apprehension. Because if they don't, they're going to get burned. That's my opinion. Maybe it doesn't actually happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if Denver got caught napping and found themselves down 2-0. to That would be bad. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we will answer some more questions, get into some more details, including what happens to Will Barton if he comes back and... Does he go back into the starting lineup? We'll be right back. Back here, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment. We're going to go rapid fire through some of these questions. I want to be able to get to as many as I can. Uh, let's get back into it. Jocka Smith asks, 
is there a chance that Gordon will play in tandem with Jokic again in the same good way as they did in the first few games when Gordon came to Denver? It's possible. I think that the lack of shooting in the backcourt has really affected the way that Denver can use Gordon. They were using him along the baselines. They were using him as a vertical cutter. It's hard to do that when the rest of the defense is packing the paint. They know what Gordon wants to do. If Gordon can't shoot, if he's a guy that that's also struggles with his jumper, then they're going to bait him to do that, and they're going to sit on those back cuts as much as possible. And if that's the case, then Denver, they're going to be in a lot of hurt. Because Denver, they, they need Gordon to be able to shoot in this series. It's my opinion. Tony B. asks, what's the chance Zeke Naji cuts into Green or Millsap's minutes? Probably low. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he got out there a little bit, if they needed somebody to match up with Mello. Because uh, right now, I think you're looking at Jamichael Green as the primary matchup against Carmelo Anthony with that second unit. If that is the case, then Mello might go off. He also might struggle. Jermichael Green feels like a guy that could do really well against Carmelo Anthony. Somebody who just plays plays it safe, stays home, stays grounded. Mello isn't going to drive into him and draw a bunch of fouls. As long as Green stays disciplined and doesn't foul him, that'll be okay. But if Carmelo gets a jump shot going, and they feel like they need somebody more athletic against him to press up on him a little bit, maybe that's when Zeke Naji gets some time. But I think the Millsap is going to get the opening nod at backup center. He'll guard Inez Cantor. I think that Zeke Naji will, or will, he's not going to play immediately. Jamichael Green will get the nod at power forward. He will guard Carmelo. Uh, and when Robert Covington is out there, he'll guard Covington then. So we'll see. Ben Cerveni asks, if Barton is back, do you expect him in the starting lineup right off? What does Aaron Gordon's defensive matchup look like? Portland doesn't have an elite forward, or does that change how we defend? I think that Gordon will probably start off against Norman Powell, and then they might trade. They might change him to Robert Covington at some point. Uh, but as for Barton, if he does come back, he'll come back on the bench. I think that you you don't want to change too much when you're Denver. I think that the easiest way to reincorporate somebody is to put them back with the bench unit. He can be an early entrant into the game if that is the case, like get him in at the eight-minute mark, seven-minute mark, something like that in the first quarter. But you want to start off with what's been working, what you've been practicing for. And I think that at least initially, when Barton does return, he's probably going to play about 15 to 20 minutes. If they need more, then he'll play more. But we're going to see. Like, I think that he could also be beneficial for that bench unit. Like Monte Morris, Will Barton, Michael Porter rotating with the bench, Jermichael Green, Paul Millsap. That's a good lineup. It's a good veteran lineup around Michael Porter who has the capability to go off at any point. There is enough scoring in that lineup, I think, to make things work. Michael Talley asks, did LeBron's acting job last night give you confidence that the Space Jam remake would be good? Absolutely. It's so funny to watch him, man. Like, he, he is the greatest player of this generation. 
I don't know if he's the GOAT. Like, I would consider him my GOAT because I never got to watch Jordan. I never got to watch Kareem. I'm 24. Like, it's hard to just say, hey, look, oh, man, with all of this experience I have watching Michael Jordan, I can definitely say that he's the greatest player of all time. I hear the stories, watch the last dance. Maybe he is. LeBron has been the guy that strikes fear into everybody in this generation, in my opinion. Uh, the only times when he doesn't is when the Warriors are doing so. Uh, the the prime Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant there especially. But even last night's version was pretty impressive. Um, with regard to Space Jam, it'll be fine. It'll be good. If it isn't, then whatever. But I think it'll be pretty good. And he is going like I mean, he's going to make a lot of money. He, everything is about the narrative. Everything is about the story. Everything is about improving the brand. And it, it at least seems like that from the outside. Maybe that's not how it is. Maybe it's more genuine than that. And it just kind of appears that way. But uh, it just, it, it feels very fake. It feels very contrived and very just plastic. And if you know what I mean, there's not a lot of authenticity at times. Ben Maddox asks, would you rather have Gordon or Harris for this matchup? Uh, see, Gary Harris is going to shoot 30% from three. Can Denver make that up while also staying athletic enough in the front court? I don't know if they can. Like, I think I would rather have Gordon because I think that his presence there gives Denver a dimension that Portland has to think about, that they have to match up with. Because they are going to have to use either Norman Powell or Robert Covington to guard Michael Porter. The other is going to guard Aaron Gordon. So if they can use Aaron Gordon's size, his, his strength, his athleticism at the rim, if they could create some sets where he can get inside because Norman Powell is defending him, that would be great. That is an advantage that Denver can press. Maybe they can find some free baskets and he can be the Rodney Hood in this series. That would be great. Like, if Denver gave back their, like, the, the size matchup stuff to Portland because their guys are too big and too strong and too skilled, then maybe that's, maybe that's penance. It'd be great. I think I'd prefer Gordon. Like, he has the ability to switch onto those guys. You don't want him on there all the time, but I think the the presence of a Jeremy Grant type defender, somebody who's athletic enough and just versatile enough to go up and down the roster, it's important. Aaron Gordon's going to defend one through five in this series. I am almost certain. Rafita asks, or this is Raphael, who aside from Joker and MPJ needs to step up the most? I think it's probably Faku. Um, He's going to be the starting point guard. They need to avoid him getting into foul trouble immediately. Uh, if he can get under Damian Lillard's skin and force some bad shot attempts, even if Dame still goes off for 30, 35 points, like I think that they could live with that if he's going 12 of 25 as opposed to 12 of 20. Because Faku's going to bait him into stuff. It's what he does best. He's trying to get under his skin. He's trying to force some bad decisions, get him sped up a little bit. As long as he doesn't commit those fouls, 
And as long as Lillard doesn't go foul hunting and get those free calls for a superstar, then it should be good. But he's the guy that I look at on the defensive end, especially on the offensive end. If he can't shoot, it's going to be a problem. Greg Anderson asks, who guards Lillard and can they keep him from scoring 50? Uh, Faku will get the opening nod. I assume that Austin Rivers, Monte Morris, and Shaq Harrison will also get at least some touches, at least or at least some opportunities. Uh, with if Faku comes out of the game, if he struggles a little bit, if they just want to give him different looks, maybe Aaron Gordon switches onto him a little bit. The thing is, like, they're gonna put two guys on him pretty much the entire series. That's what it's gonna look like. It's gonna be they're gonna try to get the ball out of his hands. They're going to try to prevent him from shooting from 30 feet if they can help it. Lillard is still going to get his. If he goes off for 50, then that's probably a bad thing for Denver. If they can prevent him from getting a bunch of shots off and force others to beat them for a seven-game series, that's probably Denver's best chance. Jose Pinedo asks, What hair do you think Aaron Gordon is going to rock this playoff series? I hope he goes with the fro. That'll be fun. He was rocking the fro in his pr- in his uh, presser today. It was a good look. He was in a good mood. He'll probably go back to the cornrows at some point, though. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But uh, he just has to play with swag. He has to play with a lot of uh, attitude and ability and know that he's better than the opposition and what they can throw at him. Because if he can act that way, and if he can make some shots, take some pressure off of Porter and Jokic, then that would be a big deal. Joe asks, do you think these Nuggets can hold their own defensively in the backcourt with the combo of Faku, Rivers, Harrison versus the Blazers for a series? Uh, it's the ultimate question, Joe. If they can, Denver might be winning this in five or six games. If they can't, which is more of my expectation then this game, this series is going to go really deep. It's going to be interesting. Denver's going to be able to score. They're going to find ways for Jokic and Porter to be able to score. They're going to create some opportunities for other guys. Austin Rivers will have a game where he scores 20. Faku will have a game where he scores 20. Maybe not 20. Maybe it's more like 15, but on like four threes. They will have opportunities to do that. It's whether they can hold up defensively whether they can prevent the trio of Lillard, McCollum, Powell. If those guys combine for over 75 points, Denver's probably losing. If they held to under 75, Denver has a good chance. That will involve uh, Nurkic and Cantor, Rocco, uh, Anthony Simons, guys like that getting involved. If that's the case, then Denver has a chance. But if they make it easy for the Blazers trio of guards, it's going to be a problem. And finally, Adam Jones asks, who do you think is the potential Rodney Hood of this series for Portland? Uh, Carmelo, probably. The guy who comes off the bench, just unstoppable as a scorer, somebody who's a mismatch problem. If he's too quick and too athletic, maybe not athletic, but too skilled on the perimeter, for a Jamichael Green or Paul Millsap, that's going to be an issue. I remember Denver having to defend him with uh, with Zeke Naji and Isaiah Hartenstein and Vlako Chanchar 
at various points. They're probably going to avoid that this time around. But can Michael Porter defend him? Will they have to put Aaron Gordon on him? Like, are there situations where Melo just goes off for 2025 and that wins Portland a game? If that's the case, that could be tough. But Rodney Hood of 2019, he was the guy who was consistently great. So as long as Melo only wins one game, like Rodney Hood won three. Like it really, it really did feel like that. So if Denver can prevent the the countless outbursts, then that'll be better. If they can't, man, it's gonna be tough. I'm looking forward to the series. I, I know people, they're probably gonna hear me and think that I'm pretty pessimistic here. And it's true. Like I'm trying to be realistic. I'm trying to be objective going into this thing and think, okay, Denver has some weaknesses. Portland has some strengths that can combat those weaknesses and can really press the advantage there. How much can they press the advantage over what Denver does well already? Jokic is going to have to be a savant. He's going to have to average 30-10-10, and 30-15-10, something like that. Is he capable of doing that? Of course. Are the Blazers going to double the hell out of him and try to get the ball out of his hands? Are they going to frustrate him and try to get him physically battered? Yes, on both counts. They're going to need other people to step up around him. If it's Jokic versus the Blazers, it's probably going to be the Blazers who win. If it's Jokic and others versus the Blazers, it's probably going to be Denver. That is my hope. I just want to see the Nuggets step up. I want to see them prove the doubters wrong. They're not frauds. They're a team that you still have to take seriously. This isn't a lost season just because Jamal Murray went down. You want to be able to prove just how good everybody is. Because if they do prove it, it's going to be a very fun second round against the Phoenix Suns. Because they are definitely going to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. I will speak it into existence, folks. It's going to be great. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Not going to podcast tomorrow. Uh, I think everything that's been said has already it's already been said. Everything's good. Everything's out there. Nothing more I could really offer uh, from a content perspective that is going to prepare Nuggets fans even more for Game 1. So, I'll probably have an article up on Denver Stiffs on Friday. Make sure to check that one out, but... We're just getting geared up for Saturday. Saturday night's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be podcasting late after that. So you can expect a podcast and an article from me that night. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Go Nuggets. I'll talk to you guys very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.